Lisa's illustrations bring out the best in people. Just looking at her work is like getting the most wonderful hug ever. And we all need to experience this comforting feeling these days. Lisa's whimsical, delightful illustrations are full of joy and life. They overflow with kindness and empathy, making the world a better, friendlier place. That's exactly why I'm excited I get the chance to learn more about how Lisa works her magic and how she weaves empathy into everything she does. Welcome to the Drag and Drop Show, where we explore how practicing empathy transforms how we do business and live our lives. I'm your host, Andra Zaharia, a fellow podcast listener and creator. This season, I'm on a journey with Bannersnack to discover how leading women around the world use empathy to connect and do work that matters. Join us to find out how to drag and drop small acts of empathy into our lives to make it more rewarding for us and those around us. In her own words, Lisa is an illustrator who is passionate about creating graphics that add whimsy and magic to your creative projects. Her mission is to add value to other people's creative process so they can enjoy their own work more and its results. After having studied design in college, Lisa worked with various companies until she decided to go out on her own. For more than a decade, she's been managing her company and growing as an artist and as a business owner. About halfway into her freelance journey, Lisa made the switch from graphic design to illustration, and that's a wonderful story I can't wait to explore. So my guest today is also one of the hosts of the Honest Designers podcast, which started as a series of chats among friends and turned into a wonderful, empathetic podcast for the creative community. Lisa's incredible eye for detail is visible throughout her illustrations, from designing lovable characters to creating patterns and products I'd put all over my home. No matter where she shares her work or creative process, you can tell Lisa has a rich inner life that bubbles to life in beautiful ways. So Lisa, tell me, when did empathy make the biggest impact on your life? Well, uh, firstly, thank you for that intro. Wow, you should be, uh, I should hire you as my PR. <laughs> you really made it sound good. Um, yeah, uh, I guess, you know, just going back to, you mentioned um, the pivot that I had um, in my career. That that was quite a, a big change in my life, as you can well imagine. Um, and it was a huge struggle for me to come to terms with the feeling of being behind, uh, I've always felt like I was kind of, uh, you know, uh, you know, ten steps behind all the other illustrators out there. Um, mm. So it it took me a long time to come to terms with that and stop beating myself up about that, and and realizing that the steps that I took along the way, even though I always felt that they weren't the absolute um, dream job, um, they, they obviously set me up for where I am today. So. I think where people um, beat themselves up or, or don't give themselves a, a break, you know, they always feel like I'm not there yet, I'm not there yet. But, you know, all those kind of small steps we take every day in our career, in our life, um, you know, even if it's meeting the wrong partner and realizing it 10 years later or whatever, you know, it's it's that whole thing of those things all add to our experience of life and um, they kind of help us in our next phase. So I think it's important to you know, cut yourself some slack, um, especially women. We're not good at that at all. 
Um, so yeah, it's that that was a huge one of the biggest things I took away from you know that scary change that I made. I that, would say that was a very brave brave thing to do, especially because you'd been in the field for such a long time, and it's so difficult to let go of something that you're good at and a place where you're very kind of very rooted into. I yeah, was curious um, throughout this process, did you use any sort of let's say practice to help you? keep track of your progress because it's so easy to disregard our efforts when they're kind of very granular or very uh, just step-by-step yeah. like that. Mm. So I, um, from a, I, I'm, I'm a very spiritual person and I, I spend a lot of time um, kind of working through issues in my mind and, and doing things that, that I know are good for my soul, if I can call it that, and also good for my creativity and kind of bringing myself back to reality. Um, that sounds terrible <laughs> to think about that. But what I mean is kind of grinding myself because I am such a – I do live in my head a lot. So, And I'm sure as most um, you know artists do, we, we tend to kind of live in our heads a lot of the time. And so the practices that I that I really cherish and value um, are things like my daily walk with my dog, um, I my just drawing for the fun of it, doing things like that. And when I was going through that hard time of shifting my career, and I mean I was so stressed, I, I was struggling with um, things like self doubt. I had massive, massive, massive self doubt. I really thought I, I wasn't good enough, and that that pretty much tripped me up every single day. But I knew that I could get through that um, if I just persevered. And, and fortunately, I think I got it from my mom <laughs> that I have kind of like a very strong, determined will. And um, I have a sense of like, I know I can fix it. I know I can get through it or I know I can figure it out. I, I always have that sense of this can be fixed or this can get better. And I think that approach or that psychological approach really assisted me. And I also did a lot of uh, meditation, even though I don't really do it so much anymore, which is mm. kind of sad. I should do it more often. <laughs> um, but then I did call upon my um, kind of meditation practice a lot more. And as I said, I, I, I am spiritual, so I would spend a lot of time in my head trying to work it through. And even like logical questions, like, you know, you, you, for example, like I would say to myself, okay, so you think you suck. Um, you know, where's the evidence? Are you sure you suck? Um, you know, all those kind of things. Like, be realistic and and give yourself, you know, um, answer questions and answers that you can actually work yourself through. Otherwise, you feel like, okay, so where do I start? Where do I? How do I get through this? Like, what's my starting point of actually finding a way? Mm. Excuse me, finding a way through this. You know, so um, yeah, I use practical questions. I use practical kind of practices, um, spirituality, as I said. So do whatever you can to make yourself feel grounded again because I think, um, yeah, I think we get too caught up in stuff that isn't real. Like we start making up things like you are the worst artist in the world. You'll never get anywhere. Um, you know, no one's going to buy your stuff. And those are all untrue. Um, so, yeah, it's challenging those those back belief systems in yourself that's important I'd say they are absolutely essential especially these days and I found I found it to be even though I never 
consider myself a creative type, although I work in content creation, which <laughs> involves some degree yeah. of creativity. Absolutely, uh, yes. um, I definitely empathize with a lot of the things you mentioned, especially around gaining this objectivity and kind of uh, chipping away at those mental biases that can get like out of control really, really totally. fast if we let them. Yeah. Um, and just asking these questions and trying to gain some footing into reality and looking for proof exactly like you said i think that that is so so important and it's mm. it's it's something that's really approachable and easy to do it's not uh it doesn't take an enormous effort that uh, is only available to some right. so these are very very practical and i love that you mentioned meditation because i know that everyone kind of uh, feel that they want to experiment with it and sometimes it can work for you. And I was actually just talking to uh, Meg Lewis in uh, in another episode of the podcast and she did uh, her own podcast. And she's doing like a comedy podcast that also involves meditation and that's something like totally oh, wow. different. <laughs> yes. Oh, wow. Yes, yeah. but I, I think she, yeah, she made it work for her. <laughs> Yes, well, that's the thing, because I, I, I was going to say, that's an important point. I think people get hung up on that whole meditation has to be this really, like, guru, you have to be really good at it, and, you know, it's not true at all. Um, what I did was I found a, a guided meditation that that was specific for my needs, and, and at the time, for me, it was all about believing that I can do this, and which, which is, in a sense, is, is, is a faith, right? You've got you to build the faith in yourself, build the faith in the process, build the faith in the universe or whatever you believe in. And, and that guided meditation, I mean, I wasn't good at meditation. I, I just knew you had to, like, kind of empty your brain. I mean, who knows how to do that, right? <laughs> so um, I, I literally used that every single day, every single day for about three, four months until I really started believing what I was hearing and – and I think that's the important thing. You've got to use the tools and shape them to suit you to get through the difficult times. I mean, you, you, we read about all the stuff, what other people are doing to achieve these things, and and you feel like an idiot. Why isn't it working on me? You know, and and it's not, you've got to shape them for yourself. So don't, yeah, don't always think that what that person's doing is going to work for you. You know, really experiment and ask questions for yourself and do stuff that's going to help you the way you like doing it you know it's important and it's not just it it is absolutely essential and i also feel this is kind of it, it kind of encompasses how you built your life and how you developed your um your creativity and your process along the years uh shaping kind of uh what you do to fit your way of doing things to fit yeah. your perspectives and i absolutely love that and you can tell that you put a lot of thought and a lot of energy and a lot of yourself into everything you do. That's very, very visible to everyone. So oh, I'm, that's good. <laughs> Thank you. So I'm very curious to find out what kept pulling you towards illustration because you you made this transition after such a long time and it was clear that this was there was a pull there. What what kept you uh, kind of going towards that? Yeah, it's it's such a weird because I've asked myself the same question. Um, because, you know, as you said at the time, I had a very successful graphic design business and there was no real reason other than, I guess, a, a sense of fulfillment for me to change mm -hmm. careers. I mean, I was doing well. Um, when I was when I told my mom and, and my siblings that I was changing, I, they just thought I was insane. Like, why mess with a good thing, right? And um, which made it more difficult because, you know, society kind of, 
I'm not saying they frowned upon her. My mom will always support me no matter what. But um, I, I could sense that she probably thought like, what are you doing? But anyway, um, I, th- I think it was that whole case of, I, you know, for as a kid, I, I always, I mean, I love drawing and I love creating. But at the same time, I always had the sense of I want to like help others. Or I want to give back. Mm-hmm. And that that really like sat with me my whole adult life. And Although I enjoyed doing work for clients and helping them out with their branding and this is the next thing, I just had this overwhelming sense continuously in the back of my mind, like, I want to help people. I want to be doing something that can actually have more of an impact on, on, on more than one person, you know. And um, I had no idea how I was going to achieve that. And through the whole transition of illustration, I didn't know that that was actually going to be the answer to to that feeling because... Only since now that I've de- like developed my business the way I have, um, I do classes, you know, teaching classes, I do tutorials, I create products that I know that people love using for their own work. And the emails that I get from from my customers saying how much they appreciate, you know, what I do, it's that's it. That's the, that fulfillment that I've been after all those years, you know, it finally came true. And and it's weird how you at the time, I, I kept thinking maybe I need to go work in an animal shelter. Maybe I need to go, I don't know, be a helpline person or mm. something. You know, I kept having that, how do I help people? And and it's weird how you can do that same impact but doing it in your way. And and now that I've discovered that that's actually really what's going on, mixture of, like, my creativity expression, helping people, like, you know, and teaching them and all that kind of stuff, It's it's like magic. You know, that's where the magic kind of comes together. Um, yeah, so that's the other thing I've realized. That it doesn't have to be the shape that, that you think is like the normal kind of shape um, of stuff. Uh, so the way I've shaped my business has, has suited me and, and my, my needs, I guess, for expression and helping others. So, it's yeah, it's been wonderful. Really privileged, actually. <laughs> and we're lucky to have someone like you to show us that this is possible i think that so many creatives out there need examples like yours and the fact that you talk about what you did and how you stumbled and uh your wins and everything in between i think is so important because it shows them that there's an opportunity there for them to create a body of work and a way of working that suits them and that helps them grow as a person because uh, mm. what we're seeing now more than ever, and this is going to accelerate even further, is that we're finally talking about emotions in the workplace. We're finally Yay. talking about the fact Yay. that exactly <laughs> that there's no professional us and personal us, that there's just one human being that has so many roles and so many thoughts and challenges and aspirations. Mm. And that bringing all of that to work and bringing all of that to our personal lives, well, our the rest of our lives, <laughs> uh, yes. is is That's absolutely essential. essential. <laughs> mm, absolutely, and you know, just speaking on that whole thing of shaping, like uh, when I first started my business, um, you know, the first thing I thought of, how do I shape this to suit me? And and you you, you kind of look at all the other people, how they're doing it, and obviously you need to kind of get an idea, right? And for me, a lot of it, I liked a lot of the stuff about it, but there was stuff about it I didn't like. Um, so, for example, I'm not a big, as much as I love um, at, uh, talking to my customers and, you know, my community, I'm not a big social media person. I mean, I didn't have Facebook 
till I don't know, I think a year ago, and um, I don't have a Twitter account. Uh, I don't do any of that stuff, you know. So Instagram was a huge leap for me, and I thoroughly enjoy Instagram from that point of view because it's visual and I get to communicate with you know people, which is great. But I'm not a big person on that, you know. And I thought, well, that's it. That's the end of your business. How are you ever going to have a business, an online business, without a social platform, you know? And um, I realized you actually don't need to do all of them. You just just pick one that you really like and stick to it. And and there's this pressure, like, you've got to be on Facebook. You've got to be on Twitter. You've got to be on this. You've got to be. And um, I've just realized you don't. You really, really don't. So it's so important to shape things, even your business practices, around what suits you. And I think if you don't do that, you run the risk of um, getting exhausted and not enjoying it anymore, you know. So, yeah, that's quite important to remember that. This is a top, like, top mental health tip, uh, in my opinion. And I love that you talked about that you focused on the channel that suited you best because I also believe that. I believe that emails can be super powerful and I am subscribed to like wonderful newsletters that do so much more for me than many other channels. Uh, And it's okay to be an introvert in social media and only stay to your thing. It is super, I'm I'm the same. I, I tried like all of them, but I not all of them, but never tried TikTok. I I think I may be too old for that. <laughs> um, but I did like I closed my Facebook account almost two years ago, and people asked me. Well, not people, but like three people asked me, mm. "How are you going to do your job as a marketer without being on Facebook?" Like, there's and you can. that the whole internet is out there. Facebook is not the yeah. internet. There's so much more out there, and I feel exactly. like. Even setting using kind of these boundaries can actually improve our creativity and can improve um, our ability to go deeper into some channels and to understand nuances and to actually make it count and not just check and add like yeah. a bunch of links on a website that don't mean anything and that in the end deplete us, just like you said. Um, so I yeah. love your approach here. And I think uh, just just on that, I mean, even I even have this thing on Instagram where I, I for the first time this year, actually, I've really tried to only post when it's easy. Um, what I mean is like instead of spending like, I don't know, how many hours a day or, or a week on, on my Instagram posts, I'd rather post when I feel that what I'm supplying or what I'm providing for people means something or it's funny, makes their day, whatever, not just randomly posting. And because this, my theory is, would you rather be spending time thinking of a new way to help a lot more people? In other words, create a, a nice product or, I don't know, a new, new course or whatever, or spending that those two hours coming with an Instagram post that's going to get a few likes and then it's gone, you know. So I'd rather spend my my, my energy and time on something that's going to have a bigger impact, um, you know, to help people or, you know, help them create their own work or whatever, you know. So that's more important to me. And I think people have this, like, pressure, you've got to post once a day and you've got to post. You, know, you don't. You really don't. <laughs> I think the big thing is is you just be true to your yourself be true to the message you're trying to convey and don't feel pressurized you know instagram is going to be there tomorrow it's okay (laughs) so yeah (laughs) and that sort of alignment between what we do and what we think and what we need 
uh, can mm. be very empowering and can be an incredible source of energy. And this is something that I've seen in everyone that's kind of a leader in their community and that has done something that's worthwhile, that has impacted the life of others. It's this alignment between their thoughts and their actions uh, and um, sticking to them no matter what the influences might be. And there are tons of that, yes. especially in, in creative work. Yes. Um, yeah. I know that you you mentioned the fact that you're, you're not, you don't interact on social media like, let's say, the norm. Uh, and that that suits you very well. And I know that you told um, Diane Gibbs in a podcast that you did with her in 2018, which I absolutely loved. You mentioned that oh, wow. you yeah. knew what kind of customer you wanted to attract when you went into illustration. Um, so yeah. how did you get to know those customers? Where were what was your starting point and how did you add to that? Okay, so I um, did. I don't know if you're familiar with Marie Folio at all. Yes. <laughs> um, okay, so I did her B-School uh, course, gosh, uh, maybe it's probably coming up to about eight years ago. And one of the main things that she taught, she teaches is, is finding your ideal customer. And in our industry, and I think no matter who you are, graphic designer, illustrator, in, in you know, your industry or whatever, it's so important to know who you are trying to reach. Um, <laughs> and I think that's the, that's the number one thing that I, I get um, – I see there is a problem for people starting out, especially as illustrators or especially people trying to do, you know, what I do. And all the emails that I get is that they're producing all this work, but they're not getting any sales. And then when I have a look at it, I can see why, because they haven't considered, now this is where the empathy part comes in. They haven't actually considered what their customer wants because they haven't actually figured out who is their customer. So, for me, I started off because I was kind of new to the whole game. Um, I started off focusing on the wedding customer. So for me, initially, it was all about if I was a designer and I needed to design a wedding invitation, what would I need to do that? So that's when I started painting flowers and creating backgrounds that I thought would be easy for them to use. Um, you know, so things like that. That was kind of my starting point. And then since then, it's grown quite considerably in terms of my understanding of my customer and what they need. And um, and some packs that I create are still very specific to a particular audience. So I will mm. still um, create something that's specifically wedding or uh, specifically, I don't know, um, gosh, a logo design or whatever. So there, there are definitely products that are still very specific. And that's how I approach everything. I think, okay, so who's going to be using this product and how are they going to benefit from it what do they need to produce to make their best work so it's not about me it's not about what am I you know do I like this do I I mean obviously I'm going to create something that I enjoy creating but it's more important to answer the question of your customer and you got to sit down and figure out okay so what do they want what will make it better what will make it easier what will make it faster and those are the questions you need to answer when you start creating or putting a pack together. And ultimately, those are the goals that you want to achieve. So knowing your customer is super important. And I think that if, out of all the things that I learned from B-School is probably what's kind of started my business and to get successful so quickly because I understood that up front. And um, you can, if you're not sure, like if you're sitting here thinking, okay, so how do I figure out who my customer is? Um, the first thing I did was 
hop onto Etsy and I started looking at what was popular in terms of downloadable products. Um, I also started looking at what was what people were creating. And then mm-hmm. I thought, okay, so what can I help them to create that, you know? Um, and that kind of is a good base to give you an idea of what people are needing out there. And and don't just, you know, if you, you can pick a very niche um, kind of industry, but if you want to be safer initially, I would say, you know, choose something that's very popular, choose something that a lot of people are doing. I don't mean products. I mean, like, what are they creating for their customers? And then you are going to supply them something that they can use for their creations. And that's that's a good place to start. Um, and then from there, you get an idea of who, who you're actually servicing. And that's very important. And it's also your approach that's focused on experimentation and on this gradual yeah. process. Um, it is absolutely vital because that's how great strides are made. And often when we see in the media depicted all these success stories, they miss that middle part, the messy, the messy middle, uh, the one yeah. that's the toughest bit. So I was curious, how long did it take you to reach kind of this level of clarity around your work and your purpose? Um, in time, I'd say probably two years of kind of, you know, flapping about. Um, <laughs> and, you know, in that time, I, I realized what I liked and what I didn't like. And and I also made a very conscious decision early on to not um, compete with the masses. So mm-hmm. although I wanted to be trend um, aware, um, I didn't want to kind of, you know, run after the latest trend and try and produce a product that was in line with that. That that to me was a too stressful situation. Like I know some people really thrive in that kind of arena and they do really well, um, but it doesn't suit me. I, I, for me, I want to create something that I enjoy creating, as I said, that other people will enjoy creating, but is unique. And and obviously I'm, I am, as I said, trend aware, but um, it's not my driving force. So because of those combinations, I kind of have to experiment, which also suits me because I love experimenting. Um, and, you know, through these experimentations, like some worked, some didn't. And But from that, some of them have been my best sellers. Like I created this uh, portrait creator, I don't know if you're familiar with it, and mm-hmm. it basically allows people to build their own portraits. And this was like, this came from, you know, hours of tinkering and, and playing around and messing about and coming up with ideas. Well, how can I help people who can't draw make portraits? <laughs> you know, so it like, so to answer that question, that was like, oh, I can do this, this and this and put this together. And and since then, it's grown, the, the product itself has grown enormously. Um, but that was literally born out of experimentation and and it's, as you said, it is can get messy and it's a risk because you could spend hours and weeks and months on something and then, you know, not have many sales. So, yeah, it's a, it's, I guess you win some, you lose some kind of thing. Um, but definitely the, those beginning phases, you are figuring out what is going to work and what's going to work for you, what's going to work for your customer. And yeah, I'd say about two years. In, in short, a short answer to that. <laughs> Sorry, if, if, I'm, if I'm rambling, just tell me to shut up. <laughs> no, no, no. I love hearing your stories and the way you walk us through it. Uh, because these two years, while it may seem like 
a short period of time, they can encompass so much, so much mm. uh, struggle, so much experimentation, so much effort put into all of these days and into all of these experiments, um, which uh, may end up being winners or n not doing so Maybe. well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but at the same time, I feel like you've did done an absolutely splendid job at creating such a diverse portfolio, such a diverse um, way of articulating products and uh, things that kind of work to balance each other out. So you're, you're very good like that. Uh, was this intentional or did it just happen also kind of naturally along the way? Um, definitely natural, not intentional. Um, I think it was a case of um, probably a case of me getting better at doing certain things. So, you, it, you know, things would be probably more simple in the beginning. And then as I got better and decided to expand in a particular direction, you know, then I would take it there. And to be honest, I get, I get bored quite quickly. So, um, I, you know, I need to try and stimulate my creativity as much as I can. So I do pivot quite a lot in my uh, creation of what I do. You know, sometimes I feel like creating something really sophisticated and other times I want to be fun and, and free and just do silly little things like, you know, that suits kind of a kiddies market. So it's, it is definitely, I guess it's a, um, I've been very fortunate that way, but it's, it's, it's basically me having fun I guess <laughs> um and it's kind of just worked out that that it's working um and I, but I think it's quite important because I think if you as a creator and a producer of anything really um are enjoying what you do and and you're still bearing in mind even though you, it's for you you're still bearing in mind the other person your person who's going to buy it from you I think they sense that joy and I think they, they pick up on that that this was created out of a place of enjoyment and love and, and inspiration or whatever. And because people generally buy, I mean, they, people buy from people, right? They don't buy yes. from a robot. <laughs> so they want to feel that in your work. They want to and they sense that people are not stupid. They pick that up. And I think that's quite an important thing. And, and I've been very fortunate that all my playful experiments have, you know, they've, they've kind of um, helped me along the way in terms of, you know, creating different products. So, yeah. And you, you can definitely feel that there's that connection between uh, a creative person um, such as yourself, an artist of any kind, and the person who ends up um, enjoying their work in any form it might have. It's based exactly on that, on that idea of thoughtfulness and in, in the reaction that it inspires in them. And mm. when, when I look at your characters, for example, I'm just, I'm in absolute awe. It's the way you draw them is it's like opening a door into a fairy tale kingdom i i absolutely love the colors uh i love how the, the, the expression on their faces uh no matter if they're human or animals or anything else they're absolutely beautiful and i wanted to ask are they connected in any way because i i, I know that you have um, kind of small stories built around them, but uh, how do mm. you are they connected in any way, or it, is it kind of like each to their own universe? Um, it's a, oh, that's such an interesting question. I think they the connection that they have is that they all start from this innocent place. They like they all live in this mm. world that's 
um, pure and innocent and the intention is just joy and love and fun. And I guess they, you know, when I sit down and draw, and I've, and I've realized this the more I've been doing this um, for these couple of years, is that this is kind of my way of putting like a really nice thing out there rather because we're all faced with really grotty situations. The, the world is full of horrible things and there's such sadness. There's horrific things going on around us all the time and we all have to deal with these you know, terrible situations. But we can all contribute something in our own way that is beautiful, right? And um, this, I've realized, is kind of my expression of replacing all all the yucky stuff um, mm. with hopefully something that's going to be, you know, perceived as a, as, as a fun thing and, and joyful and magical. And I also want to remind people and myself of going back to that innocence, you know, that the, when we were kids, we, we played freely. We didn't think of things like this. You know, we, we didn't have to worry about like money and the economy and all that stuff on the world. And we were just free. And that's I, I want to keep reminding us mm. of that, you know, and that's what I hope to do in my work. And and I think that's where they're all connected. They they aim to do that just to take our mind away from you know the stuff that we have to deal with as adults all, all day long. And that world that they belong in, I think I I don't know. I guess I want to live in it. <laughs> um, and I and I also want everybody else to live in it, you know. Um, so it's, yeah, I want to, I guess it's just me uh, trying to create a world that's, that's nicer, mm. you know, I don't know. <laughs> you, you, you do a fantastic, yeah. fantastic job at this and you definitely kind of open a window into that good, kind, very soft, uh, very sensitive part of ourselves, mm. uh, which is instantly activated the moment you, uh, the moment I look at your work and, and everyone oh. else that I've showed it to that didn't know it previously. So that's definitely, you definitely have that effect on people. And you can tell there's a lot of sensitivity to how you approach your work. Um, and I was curious how you manage the sensitivity, because like you said, there's so much going on around us. And the more mm. perceptive you are, the more you see, like you see 10 steps ahead, yeah. you see 100 steps ahead, you start connecting the dots. And it just it, it escalates in a way that can become very overwhelming. Um, what do you do when you have these feelings and reactions? Well, um that's, I mean, it's really perceptive of you to pick that up because I actually am an extremely sensitive person and um, growing up that was actually a little bit of a challenge because I used to feel that there was something wrong with me because of my sensitivity and it's only now in my adult life have I realized that the sense, and I've always had the back of my mind this thing, the sensitivity is going to be a, um, a power, I guess, um, mm. for me one day. and. You know, growing up was difficult, as I said, but only now as an adult have I realized that that sensitivity has contributed massively to my success as an illustrator because I do harness that and I do kind of call on that when I sit down and draw. And it's it's having those feelings of having the ability, should I say, to connect with a non-existent world that's imaginary and and trying to bring that to life. And I know some people would probably struggle with that, but I think as a sensitive person, 
we find it easy. You know, we find it easy to understand how that how that bear feels when he's looking at that little snail on a flower. You know, um, I guess somebody who's not used, who's not sensitive, will go, "Well, I don't know. What do you mean? How, how am I supposed to know how a bear feels when he's looking at a snail?" Um, so <laughs> it's it's that whole thing of it's now become my I don't know. I guess my my power, if I can call it that, and. There was a long, long, long time in my life. I, I mean, my good 30, yeah, because I'm, I'm 40, I have to think about that now, 45. Um, and I basically, well, good 35 years of my life, um, really struggled with the fact that I was so sensitive. And I mean, I even, I'm sure, I don't know if you heard on the podcast mm. I've mentioned it before, I used to have really bad panic attacks. And that was because of my sensitivity to all these things. And since me following my, my true uh, dream of being an illustrator and expressing um, the kind of beauty of the other side of life, because as you said, we, we're surrounded mm. by all this horribleness, um, just having that voice, allowing my inner sensitivity to have um, a voice has really, really helped me. I mean, I haven't had, you know, I don't suffer from anxiety anymore. I don't have panic attacks anymore. And it's amazing. And that's purely because I've allowed that side to kind of shine. Whereas before I would constantly push it down. I mean, it's just like sensitivity in society often means, uh, you know, equals uh, weakness, which is not true at all. I mean, that's those are two different things entirely. It's like they're not even in the same world, you know. And I think um, that's why I always, I always try and think to myself, like, I mean, my, my parents didn't know, really know how to deal with me, I guess. <laughs> but I always, always think to myself, like, I wish if I had a kid, which I'm not going to have, but if I had a kid, if the person was sensitive, I would spend so much time building up that feeling that sensitivity is like your it's like your superpower you know it um, is it really really it is. is yeah and and I just wish that um society kind of knew that better treated sense well sense, treated sense of people better and you know especially in schools and things like that because kids kids are so susceptible to um you know name calling and all that kind of stuff and just because you you sensitive and you cry over something that most people are laughing at doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you, you know. Um, but yeah, it's it's a challenge as a sensitive person, and um, but there is there's there's places that you just need to go for yourself and make it work, you know. And just creating space for yourself so you can actually mm. let yourself be this way and accepting that yeah. this is a big part of you. And like you did, eventually transform it into something that's uh, that looks like a life force, that's a source of vitality and energy. And um, your story reminded me actually of one of the other conversations I had with another podcast guest, Tiffany Da Silva, who is hypersensitive as well, and she battled this for a long time. And it does take mm. it does take a long time for. Uh, sensitive people to come to terms with their perception and and the fact that it works this way and then being okay with that and making it part of you like accepting it accepting it and then um shining a light on it 
Yes. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> so using instead of it's you're seeing it as this ball and chain, which I used to, I used to think, Oh my god, it's like the biggest curse on, on earth, you know, why can't I just be like everybody else and not see these things, you know? Um, but but it actually has become um the thing that that I really cherish about myself. And and yeah, I mean there are days that, that I don't I wish that I wasn't like that. Um, you know, because it does become difficult. It's it's difficult to see and experience the world in, in, in such a different way than most people do. But it is, it's, it's, there's a reason for it. And mm-hmm. um, I'm grateful that I have it. It's, it's, it's not an easy experience, but it sure is exciting. So, yeah. Yeah. So nothing that's worthwhile is ever easy, in my opinion. I mean, all the yeah. self-work and the fact that we're talking about empathy, which is for some people such an abstract concept and it's so difficult mm-hmm. to translate into practice uh, the fact that we're opening up this entire conversation around um, our experience of things and how it's so different for all of us and the fact that we're talking mm-hmm. about diversity and making it the standard, not uh, something yeah, that's yeah. not an yeah. outlier. <laughs> this, yeah, um, exactly. We all need to yeah. kind of invest in, in more in this. And I'm, I feel really lucky that I get to do this with you through this podcast and um, everywhere else. Um, yeah. And you know, and I think just going on that, sorry, quickly on that point is that as, as creative people, we think we, we, we get the raw end of the deal in terms of that. Like, like on the one hand, they want you to be sensitive because that's when you like understand things better. But on the other hand, it's like, Oh, don't get too sensitive. If I tell you your design sucks, you know? (laughs) So it's, it's, you know, we can't, it's almost like we can't win. Um, but yeah, it's it it is a topic that I think the community as a whole needs to so embrace and and don't be embarrassed about the fact that hey, if you're having anxiety, it's okay, it's okay. You know how many people are having anxiety? It's like loads. So you're not alone, and you know it's it's fine. Talk talk about it, and it's there's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with you. And speaking about talking about it, you've done such a good job, along with Tom and Ian and Dustin in the Honest Designers podcast, doing mm. exactly that. So I was um, I was curious if you could kind of walk us through a bit how that came to be and what role doing this podcast and having these conversations played in your life over the past uh, two years uh, or so. Yeah, so... Um, just on that sensitivity topic, the funny thing is when I first, um, when Tom, who actually put the whole thing together, so it wasn't really a podcast, as you know. It was something that we, um, he said, okay, guys, I'm, 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 you know, well, he sent me an email. He said, I'm thinking of putting a group together, to, like a mastermind group. It's just going to be like you, Dustin, Ian. We, I'd never met anybody, right? And, um, you know, you basically, we're just going to chat once a week you know, just to see what's happening in our lives. And, you know, it might be helpful. And before, I, I mean, I couldn't believe it. I found myself saying, yeah, that sounds great. I'm in. And as I sent like the email, I was like, what on earth have you done? <laughs> I went into complete panic, um, total anxiety. I thought, what? Every like every it, introvert who says yes to social engagements yeah. and then instantly regrets. <laughs> yeah. So um yeah, that was that was a huge thing for me. So the first meeting we had, I mean, I was a wreck. Um, because I just yeah, I didn't know what to expect. Anyway, um they were all fantastic. So we met a couple of times and Tom kind of said, like, why didn't we record this? Because 
what we were talking about were exactly what we're talking about now, right? So things about our work, um, stuff we're struggling with, uh, customer issues, product problems, you know, all this kind of stuff. And, um, yeah, I said, let's just record it and see what happens. And the weirdest thing is obviously the first few episodes were awkward and weird because now all of a sudden we knew people were listening. (laughs) So the whole flow became weird. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, we eventually kind of, you know, relaxed into it. And now we've gone back to how it was in the beginning, you know. Um, And it's been tremendous. It's been um, amazing to feel you, it's that just that feeling of you're not alone and we're all going through the same stuff. And no matter where you are in your journey, we all still struggle with the same feelings of insecurity, uh, work-life balance, um, you know, dealing with difficult situations in our work and, and at home. And it's just, it's cathartic. And I think it's, um, it's so important for other people in our, you know, creative industry to realize that, it doesn't like that. Doesn't matter where you are in your journey. You can a if you have a goal, you can get to it. You can get to it if you put in the work. Mm-hmm. And b if you're struggling, you're not alone. We're all going through the same stuff. And um, you know the, the 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 people that you look up to are just human, just like the rest of us. You know, there's nothing special about them. So you can also achieve all these things that you want to achieve that they achieve that you want. You know, and I think it's so important to. Um, think as a a creative it's important to give back and I feel so privileged to be able to do that and it's our way of doing that and the feedback has been amazing so yeah it's just it's been quite a it's been quite something actually yeah (laughs) and that's really wonderful to be part of it as well as a listener and even as someone who's not you know directly a designer or an illustrator or part of the industry all the, the principles and the struggles that you talk about apply to so many other fields. They apply to like yeah. everyone else because they're basically tied to human nature. Um, and right. yes, there are some specific that go into kind of dealing with freelance work and being an independent creative person. Um, but dolls also have kind of they work their magic in that they open yeah. our brains to possibilities that we never thought possible. Uh, and uh, they unlock, they kind of give us the courage to give ourselves permission to go in those, di- those directions, which is sometimes yes. often one of the biggest obstacles we have to deal with. So practicing oh, yes. self-empathy here, so, so important. Um, what do you think, what would be some of the things that you learned in the past over a decade since uh, you started uh, kind of running your own business that you think can help other creatives navigate uncertainty because there's a lot of that these days and there's going to be a lot more of it going forward yeah um number one i know we don't like dealing with this as creatives but you have to is your finances you've got to get smart with that i think when i when i went out on my own i didn't just do the leap um you know i did it in a way that i knew i was financially fine if it all came crashing down. And what I mean was that I had at least six months, you know, because I thought by six months I'd, ha- I'd be back on my feet, whether I was waitressing, whether I was whatever. Um, but you've got to really, you know, do that. Don't don't be silly about that. That's just, you know, you've got to make a plan with that. And then another thing that's important is to remember that if you, um, you know, if, if everything, 
something goes wrong and everything goes to hell in a bucket, <laughs> um, I don't know if I can say that, um, that you know, you, you can always find an alternative. Like, you know, if it means like cleaning people's toilets, I don't know, if it means waitressing, like that you can, you can make it work. So it's not the end of the world. And yes, it's scary. It's all those things, but you've got to rely on your resilience and your determination to get you through those kind of things. So with, because I had that in the back of my mind the whole time, it kind of took away the fear because we go into this quite scared, right? And you think, this is going to work. Uh, I'm so, and you start taking on work that is panic work and mm. it's not necessarily the, the shape or the direction that you want to take your business in, but that's what happens. You start panicking and, and it's not necessarily work that you should be doing. So with knowing that fact in the back of my mind, it really helped me make decisions, the good decisions for my business. And then I also found that having a clear picture of where you want to go to Although you're kind of new and you're starting out, um, you still must have an idea of what is the shape of the business that you want to shape. Uh, you know what? What do you want it to look like? Um, and a lot of times, it can be literally connected to feelings. So, do you want to feel independent? Do you want to feel location independent? Do you want to feel um, happy about the work that you're doing? Do you want to feel fulfilled? Do you want all those kind of things? They're all they're all important to. Um, shaping the business that you want. And then you also need to think about the level of clients that you want. Do you want to service kind of the lower middle to higher income? Because that also determines how you do business. So it's actually really a, a case of sitting down and having a serious chat with yourself and don't ignore all those um, businessy stuff because um, we tend to do that because it's boring, um, but we must. We must do that and shape, have an idea of how you want to shape your business and then stick to the path as much as you can along the way. And But having said that, also don't be scared to pivot if you have to. So don't be mm. so stuck in a way that you I don't want to be doing that. Maybe try it out. If you really hate it, then come back. Um, but, yeah, it's, um, what else? You've got to have good contracts in place. Um, don't don't take on big work if you don't take on deposits. I think that's quite important. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so things like protect yourself. So wherever you have to um, protect yourself. Um, yeah. What else? Again, know your customer. These um, are these are super yeah. super helpful uh, because having that or working towards that definition of success often takes us in a place where we actually figure out that we need a certain level of uh, emotional comfort, uh, maybe yeah. financial stability as well. But it's more about the emotional comfort because everything else kind of falls into place if that yeah. is specific thing is we, we manage to reach that level. Um, and knowing who your people are, knowing who you like to work with, that is also incredibly mm. important. Just like you said, I've experienced that myself because I've been freelancing for uh, a year and almost a half now. And that I've seen like the people you click with that gets you through the thick and thin. And that's, um, and that gives you like energy to keep mm. being excited and enjoy your work and see the difference that it makes. And 
And that's yeah. that's really where the magic happens. <laughs> it really yeah, is. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it is. And it's weird how you, as a freelancer you often think it's not about that, but it actually really is. And and and, and we always think that that we don't have control over that, but you do. You do have control over who <laughs> you do work with. And I think it's you know, obviously initially when we're starting out, we we are desperate for work. We tend to take on things that we don't really feel like doing. Um, and that's okay if it's a percentage, say kind of 30, 40%, but then definitely try and focus or get work that does light you up, that you can go to work and get excited about what you do. Because, I mean, when I first started out there, yeah, sure, I did jobs that were okay, you know, they were kind of meh, not that all that exciting. But then I had jobs that I, you know, went after, I I literally wanted and Mm. I got, and those were the ones that made me get up every day and go, man, I want to go to work, you know. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, finding that balance is is very important. And, um, you know, you are in control. Ultimately, I know it doesn't seem that way. You know, it's, it seems that, like, the world economy is controlling you, your local economies are controlling you. It, it is to an extent. But ultimately, we are in control of our day-to-day existence. And a lot of it, as you said, is emotional um, even when we're going through tough, t- tough times, it's important to kind of keep your emotions in check and yourself in check and have a plan, have a plan. If you have a plan and you're not freaking out, I promise you the journey is so much easier. Mm. Definitely. <laughs> so, so beautifully said and you've covered this so, so well, um, especially the part about cultivating this awareness of our choices, um, of how we do things, of what mm. actually replenishes our energy resources yes. and what depletes them. Um, and I, <clears throat> I especially love the fact that you, throughout all this process, it's all about giving yourself permission to be a certain way and to think this and to follow your own path, even if. Uh, the road ahead is very blurry and it's very foggy. And mm. uh, at this point in time, none of us know what the future will look like. And the th- truth is that we never knew. It's just that some times in history are more stable than others. Uh, but it's also with uncertainty yeah. that creative types can thrive because they see solutions and they find Um, ways to see the world and to make the world a better place that other people can't because they're uh they're used to following a very specific Mm. sequence of of steps let's call it that um and it's a chance for us all to explore more creativity and to explore more empathy and to make that a bigger part of our work because we actually need it we need it to uh, support our lives we need it to support our hopes and dreams through uh, difficult times uh, so we can actually get to reach them. So I'm very, very yeah. thankful that you kind of carried us so gracefully through all of these things. And oh, you. Um, you shared all these personal examples and made it such such a valuable um, valuable story and a valuable um, set of principles that we could all apply in, in our work. And I wanted to ask you as to kind of round up our conversation which is I don't know when <laughs> when time flew I literally <laughs> <Yeah>. don't know <laughs> um I wanted to ask what makes empathy timeless for you um in your work and in your life in general and how creative types such as yourself can continue to encourage and practice it I think it's important the empathy should actually start with yourself 
um, you know, often we we really give ourselves a hard time, and and it is it's important to to take into consideration all the things that you think are mistakes and disasters in your life. They they really were there to teach you and to mold you and to help you grow. Um, I mean, if I looking back at mine, I can see all all of that already. You know how it's changed um, my way of, of outlook of life, and I think. So that's the first important thing because if we can take care of our own empathy for ourselves, I think mm. it'll be a lot easier and automatic, you know, to apply to other people. Um, and there's there's a <laughs> there's this thing, this especially, and I know I struggle with this. That this thing of you always want to be right, you know, mm. our way is the right way, our way of thinking is the right way, um, my belief system is the right way, uh, the way I do it is the right way, and it's wrong to think that. <laughs> um, well, okay, wrong is a, wrong, a strong word, but it's it's uh, unhelpful. Mm. And it's also, it's kind of, um, how do I say, diminishing even for yourself to think like that because what happens is if you're not empathetic or expanding your point of view or having a you know more expansive view of the world is that you don't see the beauty that there is out there that before, you know, you thought was maybe ugly and and just having that empathy allows you to see the magic everywhere, you know. And whether it's like watching other people's techniques from an artistic point of view or or just listening to other people's psychological and spiritual point of views or whatever, you know, it's, it's massive. It, it goes everywhere. And um, I think as creatives, working that into your work um, in what you do and your intention behind it and trying to kind of connect people that way from like your soul to the other person's soul because it, it's soul to soul right mm. and that's just that approach I think um if we can get that going a bit more I think the world will be more empathetic and gosh a peaceful more peaceful place um one can only hope and yeah I, I just I suppose that's the best way we can do it is start from ourselves mm. thank you for sharing your wisdom and for making this entire not just this episode but uh, generally the world like a, a better place a more delightful one oh, one that's you. more focused on on the good and the positive and the light and the things that connect us rather than those yeah. that um make us you know uh fall fall further apart from each other so it was really wonderful talking to you thank you so much thank Lisa. thank you for having me thank you so much for having me i really enjoyed it i can't believe it's an hour already that just flew by yeah <laughs> thanks for exploring empathy and its many nuances with us if you found it helpful subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app and leave a review until next time this is Andra Zaharia, and thank you for listening to the Drag and Drop Show from Bannersnack.